Have you ever thought about uh, following and the things or the people uh, or maybe the ideas or the ideals or here in an election year, the parties you follow? Um, we, we follow a lot of things. Um, and unless you hear something like we just heard uh, about following someone like Jesus, we, we very rarely stop to think about it. But I want you to think about your day and I want you to think for a moment about your week. And I want you to think at what pulls at your time and your effort and your energy. Um, we follow a lot of different things, don't we? Uh, some of you have hobbies that you follow, uh, some of you have sports that you follow, uh, some of you have athletes, or maybe you follow entertainment or, or, or music, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, a political interest you have, I, I, I was always, really always interested in politics, and, and, you know, some of you, like, are news people, like, you follow the news, like, the first thing that happens in the morning, boom, you pop on the news to see what's going on, see how bad the you know, this place is that we call planet Earth. And uh, so we have a lot of different things, systems, ideals. Um, some of you are students and children, and you follow your parents perfectly, right? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, don't lie on Easter in church. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we have a lot of different things that we follow. We have a lot of different uh, ideals that we follow. But when you stop and think about it, whatever we're following, if we're truly following it, um, it's going to turn into something of a passion, maybe even an obsession. It's interesting, in the first century, uh, the Jewish culture uh, there were rabbis, and these rabbis, there were spiritual leaders in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish community. And there's a kind of a phrase, a, an urban legend, although it's confirmed that this is actually true, that there were people who followed the rabbis, and you would almost like choose a rabbi, and if that rabbi went to a different village or a different town there in the first century, and even prior to that and a little bit after that, um, if you were a follower of that rabbi, you were a follower of the Jewish faith, and, uh, but you also chose someone that you would follow, and, and they would literally follow these rabbis into different places and different towns, different villages, and that sort of thing. And, and there was a phrase that they used um, that's actually still used today in the Jewish community, and I love the phrase. I think it needs to be used here in the Christian community as well. And that is, is that people would ask each other, do you have the dust of the rabbi on your feet or on your sandals? And the idea was is that the followers of these rabbis would sometimes follow, they would often follow so closely that the dust that that rabbi kicked up because, you know, they didn't have paved roads, these nice South Carolina paved roads that we have around here. Uh, they didn't have concrete back then. And so they had dusty, dirty, nasty in rain like we're having today, uh, muddy roads. And so the phrase was, do you have the dust of your rabbi on your feet? Are you following so closely the rabbi that the dust that he kicks up settles on your feet or on your sandals. And I love that picture because that picture is really a, a, a question and a picture of where we are in our faith walk. And we begin this series today on Easter uh, with this idea. We begin the series, follow, follow Me, with this idea of making that first step in following Jesus. And I wonder, for those of you who are in this room um, who are already Christ followers, you call yourself a Christian, my question to you this morning before we even dive in is, do you have the dust of this rabbi on your feet, on your shoes? Do you follow him so closely 
that if people looked at your life and looked at how you interact with others and how you interact with God and how you live your life, um, do they recognize you as a Christ follower or not? That's what having the dust of Jesus, this rabbi that many of us in this room follow, means. If people look at us, would they recognize us as a Christian, or are we a Christian in name only? And there's a huge, huge difference. There's a huge difference between being a Christian and being one who follows Jesus. For you who already are Christ followers in this room, and maybe you've been for weeks or months or years or decades, uh, today will be a reminder. It'll also be a challenge for you. Um, the rest of this series is going to be a huge, huge challenge. But if you walked in here today and maybe you've doubted, maybe you've wondered, maybe you're searching, maybe um, you, you have heard of Jesus and like you've thought about coming to a point of believing what he did was for you, um, maybe today is the day that you make the decision to become a follower. Just like we heard uh, there at the beginning, Jesus asks his followers, which we think of it as he and 12 men, right? You know, as Jesus and his 12 followers, but he probably had hundreds or maybe even thousands of people who followed him in that day. And look what he says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and say those two words with me, follow me. That's it. He says, follow me. Become a follower. But boy, if you've chosen to be a follower of Jesus at some point in time, it becomes a passion. It becomes more than just, I identify with these people or this group. It becomes something that is like intensely personal and that you're on fire about. Um, I've, in my life, I've been a, a, a runner um, just like casually, I'm not fast at all, but I, I, I enjoy, I actually enjoy jogging and running. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of it lately, but uh, yesterday we got to run in a race. How many of you were with me at Sandalwood down to the race for hunger? Yeah, we had a lot of you guys with me. Uh, awesome. Very good. Yeah, there were quite a few of you guys. A bunch of our students were there. Um, Todd Cooper, I think you won your age group. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he did. He came in really close. So way to go, our student pastor here, Todd Cooper. And um, so my nine-year-old son um, ran with me in this 5K, a little three-mile run. And um, I told him, I said, hey, buddy, I want you to get your brand-new running shoes on, and will you run with Dad? And he was all excited. And he woke up before I did, like early in the morning, to, to get over to Sandalwood to raise some money for one of our ministry partners and uh, a lot of people here on this island, believe it or not, that need food. And so uh, we helped him out. And so we, we got started in the run, and I, I really was determined, like, I'm not going to compete or tr even try, which I never do anyway. But um, like I said, you know, I'm just going to run at his pace or whatever. And we got, like, less than a half mile. Now, he plays soccer, and he's in good shape, and he's a good little soccer player, but in soccer, you start, and you stop, you start, and you stop, and you start, and you stop. And so we got a half mile in it, and he's like, Dad, can we stop? Can we just walk? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I see how this is going to go. And so we did that for two miles, and, and then in the third mile, I just took off, and I said, you got you to gotta just follow me, man. And I ran slow. I wasn't mean, okay? Don't call DHS on me or anything, okay? I was a nice guy about it. But we jumped in the car. We were, you know, it rained, and um, Shocking. We jumped in the car and, and uh, in my truck, and I said, hey, man, how'd you like it? How was it? Scale of one to ten. One was terrible. Ten was awesome. And here I am, this proud dad, man. I'm just ready for him to just be like, yeah, this is something we could do together. And he answered. He goes, oh, it was a three. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm like, really, a three? And I talked him into a five after about 10 minutes. So I might get him back next time. I doubt it, but I might get him back next time. But you know, he took his first step, didn't he? He took his first step. I'm sure he's going to be the next Olympian in like, you know, 2030 or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, He took his first step. And I got to tell you, for some of you in here today, follow me means becoming a follower. It means making the first step towards becoming a follower. I don't know if Sean will ever run a race ever in his life again, but like yesterday, he chose to become a runner. He chose to become a runner. I don't know if he's going to look like a runner later down the road. I don't know if he's going to act like a runner later down the road. That's what we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come. Do we look and act and do things like Christ followers? But today is all about have we become a Christ follower? I'm going to ask you several questions today. And the first one is what's required? Because I know that some of you may have asked that. Like you've seen other Christians. You've seen people. You may have a mom or dad or a grandparent or uncle or you know, your brother or sister or friend, husband or wife, maybe a Christian. You've probably wondered what's What's the cost? What does it require for me to follow Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you right off the bat that when you become a Christ follower, um, not your whole life will fall into place. Like nothing becomes perfect when you become a Christian. If you ever hear a pastor or a preacher or someone um, of the Christian faith say that once you become a Christian, everything's going to be perfect, Do not believe them. It could be the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, in many ways, the cost and the price for our lives becomes so much greater. But that's not the point. The point is, is that following Jesus is costly. It is costly, but becoming a follower of Jesus costs you absolutely nothing at all. It doesn't cost you anything to become a follower of Jesus. Of Jesus. And the first step for you, if you're here today and you've never like decided to become a follower of Jesus, before you even do that, I think you have to realize that you have a need. There's something that you and I need, and it's common to you, it's as common to you as it is to me. It's as common as the fact that we all in this room have skin. And it may look different, may have different colors, different shades, different textures. But we all have skin, and you and I all have the same thing spiritually. That's a physical attribute, but, phys- but spiritually, we all have a need. And the cost uh, to follow Jesus costs you nothing. But the first step is that we've got to acknowledge that we cannot have access to God without Jesus. We cannot gain access to God without Jesus. You see, there's a problem, and that's the second question I want to ask today is, what's the problem? Why can't we have access to God? Well, the whole story of humanity and the whole like, narrative of God and man, the whole narrative of his word is that in the uh, Garden of Eden, there were two people. You can say their names with me, Adam and Eve, okay? And so um, they decided that they would do their own thing rather than what God said. I-, I love the story. It's like they had one thing that they couldn't do. And they did it. It's like you had one job and you didn't get it done. They had one thing they couldn't do and they didn't get it done. And, 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 and so they did that and they ate from that fruit of that tree. And most of you know the story. And immediately sin came into the world. And so we have a sin problem. And sin, the Bible tells us, separates us from God. I know a lot of you know the story. 
But I hope and I want to challenge you today that in light of what Jesus did on the cross and what God did by sending his son, it is so important, it's imperative that we hear the story again and again to remind ourselves of the, the price that he paid so we didn't have to. And you see, there was this separation between God, who was perfect on one side, and us, we're not perfect. I've never met anybody who said they're perfect. I'm 43 um, I've never, I've been in the ministry for over a decade, about 12, 13 years, something like that, lost count. And, and I've never met anybody who said they were perfect. And if you are, please stop me afterwards and talk to me because I want some of whatever you are drinking. Okay. I promise you, I, I really don't because I got it right here. There's no one, no one who's perfect. Romans speaks of it in Romans 3, um, 23. Paul was writing the church at Rome, and he said, I want you to say the second word with me. I want you to say it with strength, because it's important. He said, for all have sinned. That was awesome. I heard some kids down here. That's awesome. Way to go, guys. Way to go. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, in the original language, you know what it means? (laughs) It means all. It means everyone. Any human that's ever been born, we begin life with sin. And that sin separates us from God. The Bible says that he can't even look upon sin. And so that's the problem. In fact, Paul goes on in Romans chapter 6, and I'm just going to read the first part of this. For the wages of sin is death. And that death doesn't mean a one-time death and you're gone like into oblivion. You don't exist anymore. The death that he's talking about there in that original language means a continual death in hell. Listen, a lot of, um, a lot of churches won't talk about hell because a lot of um, people believe that hell doesn't exist. If you believe that hell doesn't exist, you can't believe that heaven exists. It does. And because of that separation between us and God, because we have this sin that we all like have, and I know I don't have an hour that goes by that I don't like do something that is a sin. And I need a savior. I have this need for God. He says the wages of sin is death. We're going to get to the second half of that um, real soon. And so the problem is that we have sin, and we miss the mark of what God wants for us. Well, what's God's solution? That's the next question that I want to ask. What's God's solution? Well, that's what we're here to celebrate today. We're here celebrating Easter. And, and I know that a lot of you are here because, um, like, it's a tradition. It may be a family thing. It may be something that, like, for generations, you, you come to church on Easter. And I'm really glad you're here. I really am. I don't want to take that away at all. Um, but I want you to think for the moment, Just think for a moment about the reality of what Easter is all about. Just pause for a moment and think about that. What we're doing here today and what millions of people across the United States and the world are doing today is we're filling churches um, where we're we're giving God the glory for what he did. And that is, is he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. You see, God offers forgiveness of our sins through Jesus' death on the cross. That happened on Friday. Today we celebrate his resurrection. We'll talk about that in a moment. But his sin literally paid, or excuse me, his blood paid the penalty for my sin and for your sin and for the sins of all of humanity. You see, God desired this restoration between him and us. And he did it by sending his son to bleed and to die on a death, um, to become the payment for our sins. You and I have to pay for that some way, somehow. But God said, no, you don't have to. I'm going to provide a substitute for your payment. 
1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins, that means he took them on, in his body on the tree, that's the cross, that we might, what does that next word say? Die to sin. Die to sin. And live to righteousness. You see, that's what I was just praying back here um, as we were singing. Like, even though I'm full of sin, and I've sinned in the past, and I will sin in the future, and I'm sure, you know, uh, in traffic today, I'll probably sin, okay? It just is what it is. All you people from up north, we're so glad you're here. Uh, really, we are, we are. You make our island happen. So thank you. Uh, but sometimes I sin in traffic when you're in front of me, okay? I'm just telling you, I do. Sorry. <laughs> A little confession on Easter morning. Anyway, uh, it says that um, he was the one who was the substitute when we sin. It doesn't matter if it's in the past or in the future or if it's right now. He paid for that sin. If you're a Christ follower in here, he sees you. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you believe that the Easter message is for you, it's personal, then when he views you, he doesn't view the sin. He doesn't view the anger that might come out of your mouth when you're sitting in traffic or like, you know, um, students when somebody does something that really your friends like disown you or whatever at school or um, that teacher's just like totally like, you know, like, come on, this is, this is ridiculous. We're just being ridiculous. Um, when you and I sin, he sees us as righteous. It says by his wounds, you and I have been healed. He was the substitute for the payment that we're supposed to pay. And the payment is eternal death in hell. That's just the way that it is. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it at all. But he paid for that. When I was in seventh grade, um, I checked a book out at the beginning of the year from, from my school library, and somehow in my room, in the mess of my room, it got stuffed under my dresser or something like that, and um, I went to check a book out later in the year. I can't believe I only checked one book out between the fall and sometime in the spring, <laughs> my seventh grade year. Um, it was a rough year for me. Anyway, and so, <laughs> like most of you. Anyway, uh, so I went to, to check another book out, and they said, you can't check another book out because you owe $10 on the book that you have in you know, your possession somewhere. And so I had to go find the book, which I eventually did after like, turning my room upside down. And, and I had forgotten to bring $10, and my buddy was with me, my best friend, and he had $10, and he paid it for me. Um, it, it was a substitute. He gave me $10 so that I wouldn't have to pay that because I didn't have it. Now, I'm 43, and he and I are good friends, and I've paid him back over the years many times. So... But Jesus does the same thing for you, for each one of you. He pays the penalty for your sins through his death on the cross. And so that was God's solution. But God also has a gift. He's got a promise for you. Um, I want to ask you that question. What is God's promise? Well, if we believe that Jesus' death paid the penalty for our sins, we can have a relationship now with God, God being perfect on one side and us being imperfect. He takes that sin away, and it means that we can now have a relationship with God here on earth and in the life to come. And that's the Easter story, that when our life is over here on earth, if we believe the Easter message, the Easter story, we can have eternity with him forever. But I think sometimes we forget about the first part of it. And that is, is that we can have a relationship with God now if we believe the story is true. 
We have access to God. We don't have to go through anyone. We don't have to do anything. There's nothing that we have to do or pay to have access to God other than believing in the message of Easter, believing in the Easter story, personally, not just up here. Paul wrote this book called Ephesians to the church. It was a little place called Ephesus. And he said this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through Say it with me. Through what? Through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone can boast. See, we like to fill the blanks of verse 8 with what we think is right or what the world tells us is right or perhaps even what our parents thought was right or what someone we trust thinks is right. And so we fill it with works like We might say, for by my own good works, I've been saved through the good things that I've done. That's how I can have eternal life. And that doesn't get you eternal life. It doesn't, surely doesn't get you forgiveness of sins. If I do um, a few things to outweigh one thing that I've done bad, I still have sinned. I still have sin. And so we needed grace. And the way to access that grace is through faith, believing it personally. I love the second part of Romans 6.23 because Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. We already talked about that part. But look what he says next. But the free gift of God is, what is that? Eternal life. So you've got eternal death on one hand and eternal life on the other. And Jesus paid everything that was needed for you to have eternal life one day when you die. A year ago today, right about now, I can't believe this is the case, but a year ago today, right now, I was doing my mom's funeral. Um, It was 2015 in February. My healthy uh, mom at 68 years old started having really severe health problems from uh, Christmas on. And so the middle of February, she was diagnosed with a return of her breast cancer that she had gotten healing from 12 years prior. But this time, it was bad, and it was, it was taking over her body fast. They had found it virtually everywhere one day, and the next day, they found it in her brain. And she had two tumors, which means that it was inoperable. And in mid-February of 2015, February the 13th, I believe it was, if you can believe that, Friday the 13th, I think, um, they told her that she had a year uh, to live, maybe six months. And so our whole world, myself, my sister, my family, kind of came crashing down because she was a rock in so many ways. Oh, man, she was a rock. The most amazing, nurturing, sweet woman that you've ever met in your life. An amazing mom. Well, it didn't take six months. It took six weeks. And she passed away on March the 24th last year. And on the 27th, um, I got to eulogize her and be a part of her funeral. But I got to tell you, um, I've had a rough year. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. It's been tough. I miss her so much. I do. And any of you, if any of you have had a loved one die, um, that was my first taste of it as close um, as I've ever had. And um, I still reach for my phone to call her. I miss her. But I got to tell you, today, a year later, first and foremost, she's in a much better place. 
And, and, and she is free of all the, the stuff she was dealing with, the cancer and the, the, the physical limitations she had. The Bible says that, she, that her body is in heaven in her perfect form. I mean, she's never felt better than right now, ever. Oh, man, I'm so glad for her as much as I miss her. But you know, there were two things that my mom kept saying in the weeks before she died. And she would hate that I'm sharing her story, but she would love this part. When she was a teenager, she accepted Jesus as her personal Savior. She knew about it up here growing up, but she accepted it here personally when she was a teenager. And in those weeks leading up to her death, she kept saying over and over again two things. She said, Todd, I just cannot wait to get home. I can't wait to get home. She, she was just like just dying in pain. But she said, I just can't wait to get home. And the second thing that she said is, I cannot wait to see my Savior. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see the face of God. And you know, those are the two things that I want to tell you is common, just as common as sin is to all of us in this room, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, is, is that you and I were not made for this earth. You and I were intended and made to be with God in heaven. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't background noise, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and I got to tell you that um, my mom's decision when she was a teenager to take what she knew up here to be true and make it personal in her life and accept Jesus as her personal Savior, that day that she did that, and I don't know when it was, but I know it was when she was a teenager, that day was her birthday. Because guess what? That birthday is the one that, like, she'll never die from. That birthday is forever. And some of you today who have never put your faith in Jesus personally, for some of you, today is going to be your spiritual birthday. It's going to be the day that you were born into eternity. You see, when we die and when we pass on, as sad as it may be for, for those that we leave behind, um, man, it's just leaving this shell. That's all it is. Because we're leaving this shell to be in our real home with our real daddy, God the Father. And that's great news. That's the story of Easter. That's the story. And so today I want to ask you one last question. This is for those of you who have never done this before. Um, maybe some of you have. Maybe most of you have. But if you're here today, please don't let today go by without making this decision and it's how, how do I become a follower of Jesus? A, B, C, really simple. A stands for um, admit that you're a sinner. Just admit that you have flaws, that you have failures, and that you're a sinner. B is believe that what Jesus did by dying on the cross and rising three days later was for you. Make it personal. Believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again for you. John eleven twenty five. 25, when Jesus was talking to Martha, whose uh, brother Lazarus, Jesus raised from the dead, um, not on her timetable, not on her sister's timetable, but on Jesus's timetable, um, he raised this guy named Lazarus from the dead. And, and Martha's talking and she asks him, you know, who are, like, who are you? What is going on here? And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live and so the B stands for believe that Jesus died for your sins. And then finally, the third one is C, confess that Jesus is your Savior today. Confess him as your Savior today. ABC is just simply, it really is just that simple.
It's nothing you have to do. It's nothing you have to buy. It's no price that you have to pay to become a follower of Jesus. But I got to warn you about one thing before I close. A lot of you know it up here. A lot of you have heard this message before. Um, You may even have memorized the verses and follow all the rules and do all the right things. Um, But you haven't made it personal in your heart. And I want to challenge you until you get to the point where you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Going beyond knowing about Jesus to making it personal. Um, You don't have that hope of heaven. And I want to invite you and challenge you to do that today. Believing in Jesus and believing that Jesus died and rose again for you are two vastly different things. And I hope that you get to the point where you believe that he died for you. I want to ask you three questions as we close and before we pray. Um, Have you taken the first step to become a follower of Jesus? Do you believe in him as your savior who paid in full the price of your sins on the cross? And do you believe that he rose again for you? If you answered to no, if you answered no to any of those three questions, man, I, I want today to be your day. It's why we as Christians are, come and celebrate around this time of year in such great numbers. Because we're celebrating the best gift that you could ever receive. The most important decision that you could ever make is to accept Jesus as your Savior so that you can have eternity in heaven one day with him. I'm going to pray here in a moment, and um, I'm going to pray a prayer for those of you who have never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior. And I'm going to say it out loud, and I'm going to invite you um, to say it to God just personally in the quietness of this room here in a moment. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you afterwards just to raise your hand just so I can pray for you. You don't have to stand up or do anything. Um, as I begin to pray, if we have some of our prayer leaders, some of our group's leaders, elders, stewardship team members, I'm going to ask you guys to make your way down front here. And if some of you want to talk to someone, um, you can have the freedom to just get up right where you are and just come down here and talk to someone and maybe have them pray with you. Please, please, please don't walk out of this room today without making the decision to say yes to Jesus. It's either your way or it's his way. And I hope that today you'll put your faith in his way and not your way. Father God, thank you so much that you died on that cross so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. And God, as much as we um, don't want to think about that painful awful, excruciating death. Um, God, I, I, just, um, I just thank you for that. And God, right now in this room, I, I pray for anyone who's in here um, right now, today, um, who has not made it personal. God, they may know in your head about you. They may, be, they may even believe that you existed. But they've never accepted you as their Savior. And God, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. God, I pray that they would deny themselves, that they would put behind them any other way that they've heard or thought was right, any good work that they think might get them to heaven, any chance that they're taking on fate um, or just chance that they're going to die and just go to heaven. 
God, I pray that they wouldn't risk their eternity and eternal death on the decision to not make a decision. If you're here today and you're ready right now, God's speaking to you and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it is time. Maybe you've come close before and you've just backed away. You might have been a little scared. But today, um, it all made sense. Something that you saw on the screens or um, maybe you heard Stephanie or Cynthia and the worship team sing today. Uh, Maybe something that I've said has just really caused you to be able, just like my son made that one step towards a race and becoming a runner. Today, I hope you will become a follower of Jesus by putting your trust in him. And I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. You can pray it to God. The words are not magic. The words um, don't mean anything unless you mean it in your heart. And it's a prayer. And you can pray it to him silently as I pray it out loud. It's a prayer that goes like this. Um, God, thank you for loving me enough that you sent your son to die for me. Today, on Easter 2016, today, I'm deciding to become a follower of you, Jesus. I'm admitting that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me and rose again for me. And now I'm confessing you as my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, I'm just going to ask you if you would raise your hand up high so I can pray for you. If anyone in here today prayed that prayer or something similar, um, just hold your hand up high if you would. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Keep them up. That's great. That's awesome. Keep them up for a moment if you would. If you prayed that prayer in here. Anyone prayed that prayer along with me silently to God in here? Just keep them up for a moment. Anyone else? Awesome. Awesome. Keep them up for a moment. Anyone in the back? To my right, to my left. Just keep them up for a moment. Father God, I thank you for those who right now have their hands raised, God. And I pray um, for you to be with them and guide them and, and, be, and bless them, God, and lead them. God, I pray that wherever that they live, um, God, I pray that you um, would anchor them to your word and in a church, if it's here or somewhere else, God, um, that would help them in this new journey. Hey, hey, you guys who have your hands raised, everybody else, you can keep your eyes closed for a moment. If you have your hands raised, I just want you to, you can put your hands down. Just look up at me for a moment. Um, one of the things that's really, really important for you to do now um, is to just have some help along the way in, in following Jesus. And so those of you who raised your hands and your children, maybe your parents can help you. Um, but if you're an adult, and there were quite a few adults that raised your hand this morning, if you're an adult in here, I want to encourage you and children to write, and students, uh, to write down on the bottom of that worship folder that you received when you came in here. Just please let me know your name and your phone number, email address. I want to follow up with you. And if you live somewhere else, I'll help you find a church. Um, We'll help you find a church. And if you live here, um, we'd love for you to become a part of this church where you can grow in your faith walk. Um, And I want you to take that. And you can either come down here, Todd and Sammy, or down here. If I have any of my other stewardship team members or elders, you guys can just come right up here 
um, while I'm praying. You can meet with someone, and if you want to be prayed with, I'd love for you to be prayed with, okay? And you can take that card and go back to guest services as you leave and get a Bible that will help you in your new faith walk, okay? Father God, thank you for what you did in this room. God, thank you that um, a year after I put my mom in the grave, God, there were people in here um, whose birthday, their eternal birthday was today. And God, I pray that you would help them just be anchored to their faith, grow them in their faith. And God, I pray that um, they would grow in their belief. Um, God, that, that you would help them with that. And there would be people who come alongside them and help them. And God, right now, we as your people who are in this place, God, I pray um, that you would help us to give you praise what you did on the cross and through your resurrection. We thank you so much for the Easter story. And right now, we just praise you by telling you and and proclaiming what we believe about you. In Jesus' name, I